Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the AEW Collision Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by Dolly Walsh, Michael Sidgwick, to review everything that happened on this weekend's episode of AEW Collision. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, including YouTube. Mm. Almost forgot it. Uh, we'll do daily wrestling podcasts for review AEW Collision, AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. We're going to get a quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Sidgwick to review AEW Collision. But before we talk about all that, we have to weirdly talk about something that was talked about in the main event that wasn't the main event because rankings are back in AEW. They are. They are. Um, a few things to say. We've already squared it a little bit on the Q&A, uh, which is available. Uh, wherever you get your podcast from. So I will not go too deep into it because there's a lot of show to cover as well. My initial thought is that, yay, I'm excited. It just allows AEW to hold itself to a standard. The best thing about the rankings isn't necessarily rankings as a storyline driver, even though selectively AEW did this to incredible effect. We use the Hangman Page, Brian Cage example all the time. I use Darby Allen just visually being amongst the names. It was like an incredible cue to like invest in him. Yeah. And take him seriously and consider him as the one to look out for. And the very best version of it was the gauntlet ahead of All Out 2020, um, where it was not full gear. No, it was All Out. Um, either way, it was Dustin and QT, Best Friends, Bucks, and FTR. Yes, because FTR eventually won it to go ahead to All Out to work Page and Omega. And the idea was, don't do Bucks and FTR in a five-minute sequence. Don't mm. do that. Yes. We want them completely apart. The rankings were, in fact, so effective from a creative and promotional point of view that they made you through this, because they were fourth, third, second, and first mm-hmm. ranked, and fourth went in there first, and FTR, who were first, came in at the end yeah. against best friends, because Hangman Page screwed the books out of it, um, driving that storyline forward. The idea was that the rankings created this great, logical match from a artistic, logical booking point of view, but made you realize, I'd rather pay good money to watch this first meeting. Don't give this to me on free television. I yes. want to pay for it. Yes. I want to, I want to pay for it. I want to indulge, in, luxuriate in it. 
I mean, the build itself wasn't great between All Out and Full Gear, but nonetheless, the idea was because it means so much and it's all logical and you know that they are going to go toe-to-toe, I don't want it yet. I want to pay for that. Um, They were never all that strict. We got the idea of FTR openly mocking the ranking system, which is less than ideal. (laughs) We've had Sting and Darby Allen be the number one contenders in everything except the formal rankings, Mm -hmm. even though they did exist at the time, which was silly, because I think the idea was, yeah, he's a special attraction, so he can't really, and we don't want him to lose it ever, to thereby protect his special attraction status in the case of Sting. It's like, well, that collides with the rankings then. Mm. There's lots of examples dotted throughout AEW history where the rankings were an inconvenience, especially when Danielson came in and he wanted Omega. I was like, well, he hasn't won any, that many matches yet. <laughs> and he just outright said, well, let's have a match. And I don't know how it's going to work with the multiple titles. A lot of people have asked this question. Mm. You know what? It's a cop-out for me as an analyst. That's for AEW to work out and for me to analyze after the fact. Yeah. I'm not booking for them. I'm analyzing them. So I'll take it as it comes. I'll be very open to it. But the thing about the rankings, other than the actual storyline driver is that they are in place, and I want them to be in place. One, it adds a sporting flavor and tenor to the promotion. But the idea is, is like, you have to be really tight with your booking. Takeshita goes over Omega twice with a ranking system in place. You can't just do that and it lead to nothing. Mm. Otherwise, you're just going to invite scrutiny. Well, that's good. You should be inviting scrutiny. It allows you to tighten things up. And I enjoy that. I don't know how it's going to play out with the multiple titles, but... Again, that's for them to do and for me to analyze when, as and when it happens. But it invites scrutiny Mm. and it makes every fixture have this stake involved. There are stakes to everything in the rankings era. You know that unless they're going to take the piss of FTR, when you knew the idea was kind of on the wane, they have to, they can't just abandon it as quickly Mm. as it comes back because that further erodes the lack of trust between consumer and producer. So I'm all in favor of it, even if it's selective, even if they have to get kicked in the arse to do things. There's a reason now to kick them in the arse. I said headcanon on the Q&A. Yes. Right. Here's my thoughts on the rankings, um, or just an extra thought on the rankings, right? What happened? I think this was in 2020. Darby Allen won a match against someone. And he was fourth, ranked fourth. I remember being fourth. And then he had this face-to-face, non-verbal confrontation with John Moxley. Then that led to the second Moxley versus Derby singles match on Dynamite. Now, a lot of people went, oh, but he's not number one. He's number four and he's having a title match. When I talk about headcanon, I'd like to think, and it's not going to happen ever on socials. And how, how much does this matter? I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But at the time, and I don't even think I was trying to justify it on their behalf, right? In my head canon, right? Yes, there's a ranking system, but you have to recognize this. And I hope the right people do. There's such a thing as a TV match and a money match on pay-per-view. Mm. And at the time, Darby Allen was not someone who could credibly headline a pay-per-view. In my head canon, I said, well, put that on television. Mm. He's, the character deserves the opportunity, but I realize that this is a promotion 
that principally exist to make money. And if you have that in mind, and you should, you realize, right, well, you need TV matches and you need pay-per-view matches. And the pay-per-view matches need to be bigger than the TV matches. Otherwise, what is the incentive to pay? So you can have fifth and fourth mid-carders on the up and have them wrestle matches on TV, even if they're not ranked number one. I always, and I don't even think I was justifying it on their behalf again, I always had it in mind of, well, that makes sense. Yeah. The promotion exists to promote the biggest matches. With all due respect to Darby and Mox, it was always going to be class. It was. That's not a pay-per-view match, but the characters earned the shot to have it on TV. You have to have a little bit of latitude to the rankings. Everyone has to have this headcanon for these to kind of work. You'll never get a completely robust, 100% logical ranking system. It's impossible. But if you use headcanon and say, right, okay, who's going to fly up the rankings in this new world? Um... Wilborn, give us a mid-card or an AEW. Uh, let's go for Roosh. Roosh has a good three weeks, and he's third, and then he has a match on TV. I love Roosh. I think Roosh gives you a dimension. He gives you an edge to matches that very, 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 very few wrestlers can. At the same time, I don't think it's very viable for Roosh versus Samoa Joe at Revolution. I just don't think that's a... Yet, I think push, uh, Roosh could be pushed to that level, but as yet... He wins a few matches on TV and has a match with Joe. It'll be the absolute tits. <laughs> It'll be a great TV match. And it makes sense to do a match on TV against someone who's good enough to be ranked, if not number one, right? Do it on TV. Mm. TV matches have to happen. So I think as long as they block out the noise from the inevitable losers on socials, <laughs> and it's not just social media, which is a bubble. It could be, you know... In comment sections of wrestling sites, it could be just the thoughts of people in, who go to pay money in the arenas. As long as you block out the noise from the people who don't get it and willfully refuse to get it, the idea that people ranked fourth and fifth should have TV matches for the belt because they're winning and not necessarily number one, as long as there's a little bit of flexibility to mm. it and people can go along with it as they should, it can work. Just block out the noise. I agree. I, you know, I bang on about MMA stuff when we talk about rankings all the time, but you don't always see the number one ranked contender fighting for the title. Sometimes it's two, three, four. I mean, sometimes I talk about Michael Bisping. Michael Bisping versus Dan Henderson. Dan Henderson was not in the conversation of he's in the top four fighters, five fighters in this division. But he had a great story against Dan Henderson. And yeah. they were like, oh, just do that then. I will give them leeway for that sort of thing. Like you say, it's... I, I, People are just, it's, it's, what is it you always say? Bad faith takes yes. or um, bad uh, bad faith actors or whatever yeah. it may be. People saying, well, if it's not to this letter of the law, I, d I disagree with that. I disagree with it as well. Um, you can't, there's no way of doing it in this incredibly robust, mathematically precise way. Um, I think initially, AW was always going to invite bad faith criticism and good faith pedantic criticism, which is what I trade in. Um, I think one of the initial problems is that they went so heavy on rankings, 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 sports-oriented, blah, 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 nothing like WWE, is that people were then emboldened to go, oh, well, he's not number one and he's getting a shot. They were kind of framed initially as the be-all and end-all. They really were. Mm -hmm. If this time they say, look, rankings will take precedent, otherwise what's the point in having them? But there are different routes to getting a title shot, and they're a little bit flexible without being too selective, the right people will just get it. Yes. In the words of uh, Matt Coon, you're welcome. All uh, right, let's talk about... I will end up killing you. 
absolutely. I thought I thought it was a phenomenal response back from you. What is it you think he's won it? Brilliant. I am Cedric on Twitter. Uh, but let's dive into this episode of AEW Collision. Because uh, broad thoughts, very, very, very good. Yeah, really enjoyable. Um, and speaking of you know returns, John Moxley's back as well. Um, he storms down to the ring to kick off the show. Um, whilst Tony Schiavone struggles to say the words "cope open," I love him for this. <laughs> Even in the main event, Cope Oblin's back on Dynamite. <laughs> So, Moxley's going to the ring, and he's obviously they're showing highlights of him working the New Japan show, of course. Um, and he's up against Shane Taylor, who is it looks, especially after this match, looks a terrifying man. But my ex- my experience of Shane Taylor's promotions is oh, kind of suck, don't they? I mean, he has a big blow off match with Keith Lee. I didn't watch it, but I know he lost. Uh, Lee Moriarty comes down. I'm Shane Taylor, bro. I lost to Adam Copeland. Uh, Shane, the leader of Shane Taylor, I lost to John Moxley, but obviously. I'm being facetious here um, because they uh, knocked seven bells out of each other to start. Yeah, this um, uh, Shane knocks Moxley to the floor. Moxley sends Taylor into the stairs. Um, and uh, as they're getting back in, Taylor takes the referee and uh, Lee Moriarty, who's there, of course, uh, nails Moxley in the face. Uh, and as a result, uh, Shane Taylor got a near fall with a sidewalk slam. Um, Taylor goes to the second rope, but Moxley manages to get out of the way of a splash. He hits a cutter on Taylor, does the 10 punches in the corner. Back suplex, goes to the paradigm shift, but uh, Shane Taylor gets out of it. Hits a very short lariat, took his head off. Hits a headbutt and a knee, hits a tree slam, um, but uh, Moxley catches Taylor in a triangle choke. Um, Taylor manages to power up out of it, but Moxley hits the hammer and anvil, elbows, two regal knees, gets a near fall off the back of that. More heavy hits coming in. Um, he grabs Taylor with a uh, with a sleeper as he swings for him, transitions into the body choke and gets the uh, submission, or gets the gets the win via referee stoppage because, uh, well, Shane Taylor would not submit. Post-match, Moxie takes the mic and says he's pissed wife. He's not taking crap from anyone anymore. Anyone wants to get in his face, call themselves a teammate or call themselves a colleague of his, I'd better keep up. I love the idea that the BCC could be on the outs. If the idea is, and I know I've said this every single week, well, if they just lose one more time to Eddie Kingston, then they can look internally and then realize that they've got the way forward, the way, whatever. So that was a nice hint in a necessary direction for me. Um, I thought this match itself kicked ass. Like the story, and particularly one spot near the finish, was fantastic. So the basic story that they tell in this match is that being an absolute unit, a total hoss. Shane Taylor has an answer for everything. King Kong Lariat, well, I'll hit you even harder from a shorter distance. <laughs> yes. Everything you can do, I can do better and hit you harder. And I loved as well how it did feel for a moment like, right, he's going strike for strike and he's escaping every hold. He's got me scouted. If I could just catch him with that bulldog choke, it'll be fine. No, he's powered. Other tri- if I can just get him with a triangle. Yes. And he caught him completely unawares. I really thought that was the finish with the idea being like, I have to just... Get him. Yeah. I have to just trap him, catch him unawares. It's like the only chance I have. And then he powers out and thinking, how's he going to win? It's not like he's going to lose, but yeah. how's he going to win yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. Then he eventually just does it with brute force. <laughs> um, but no, I thought it was really improbably dramatic, way more dramatic than I thought it was going to be. And more than the drama and the storytelling, like Moxley's got this way of, I don't want to say he phones it in because no wrestler who bums phones it in. Like, I'm not one of these, uh, you know, got to respect every bump. I'm not one of those fans. They choose to friggin' do it. <laughs> but there was a... Moxie does have a tendency of being able to just effortlessly do matches that don't have that same intensity as mm. his best work. It felt like, to use a football commentator's cliche, he had the bit between his teeth yeah. here. 
It really felt like he was properly up for it, realizing that, you know, Osprey's coming in, Carter might be coming in, you know, he needs to show that he could really, really be up there with the best, and he just really felt motivated mm. in this match, and Shane Taylor had a great night, um, and that's what I was talking about in the q and I was watching Shane Taylor be awesome in this match, and just mourning the fact that he probably won't be on television for another four weeks, and needs to be a third promotion. Uh, we got a video package for everything that happened with Samoa Joe and Hook, of course, on Dynamite, and then it was time for the, what did he call it? The Copo, what do you call the Copo? I know in the main event, when they were running down next week's Dynamite, he said Cope Opelin <laughs> for the Suzuki match. It was time for the Adam Copeland Open Challenge, uh, and it was answered by Dante Martin. I like that as a pick. Yeah, me too. You know, we were going through, going, is it going to be, a, you know, and it's next sort of level caliber compared to what he's been facing. No offense to the other guys, of course. Um, but yeah, nice show of respect before they start. Um, Dante Martin kind of surprises Copeland early on, grounds him with the arm drags. Uh, he's too quick for him. Ducks a crossbody, hits Copeland with a sent on for a near fall. Um, weirdly depressing to hear on commentary that Adam Copeland has been wrestling longer than Dante Martin's been alive, and he was wrestling, what was it, the Blue Meanie, bef- when he was a twinkle in his parents' eye, basically. Yeah. Um, Copeland sent Martin to the floor. I've been watching Edge since I was 13. I'm 39 this year. Jeez, yeah. A long old time, isn't it? <laughs> Martin hits his head off the turnbuckle to take us to some commercial when we come back. Um, Martin gets out of the way of a Copeland charge, kicks him. Um, Martin tries a springboard, um, and then Copeland stops that, slides out to powerbomb him, but Martin stops that and hits a Hurricane Rana off the apron, dives onto Copeland, gets... Back into the ring, high crossbody gets a two count, uh, but Copeland reverses the half and half slam with an impaler DDT, sets up with the spear. Martin just vaults out of the way, hits the nose dive. Copeland just gets his foot on the ropes. Martin goes up top. Copeland cuts him off, um, but uh, Martin hits a big sunset flip power bomb for a two count. Goes for another springboard, but uh, Adam Copeland spears him out of the air uh, and puts him in the grindhouse to get another submission victory. Post match, Tony Schiavone gets in the ring, congratulates Adam Copeland. Who says, look, the only people who seem to be stepping up for the co-open are hungry young talents, none of these supposed legends. Talk of hunger. Yes. Hamlet's going to hate this when he watches Collision. <laughs> you want to take a bite out of me? There's a lot to eat. I'm a five-course meal. And then he's like, I don't know what that means. Actually, I don't know why I said that. Uh, <laughs> which tickled me. Uh, but I'm going to do the work, basically, that Christian Cage said he would do, and I'll keep working until I can bring the TNT title back to TNT. What was weird about this is that I expect if you if it all of this is written down and told to me in advance, like the match, the way it was laid out, the talk of hunger in the promo, Edge's body language at the start, I would have just kind of rolled my eyes. And yet in execution, I really, really enjoyed mm. this. Like I associate Edge, or the best of Edge or Adam Copeland, with I'd always think of that WrestleMania twenty four match with The Undertaker, where it's like, right, the Undertaker's the Undertaker, he's bigger. He's got a better power game, and visually, Edge doesn't look like the same threat. But he was such a great counter-wrestler, defensive wrestler, a slimy heel. It was all in character. So when I see Babyface Edge basically be wrestling's answer to Jack Reacher, (laughs) this ultra-hard dude who can kick your ass and put you down with a one-liner, it it never feels 100% convincing. So he's grunting, 
big vein body language at the start when he had the headlocks. I was like, yeah, Jack Reacher. <laughs> and also the layout was very much, as much for Dante Martin's benefit as it was for the crowd's entertainment. What I mean by that was he had him in those headlocks. He was grinding him. He was making, in theory, like the high spots to matter more. Mm. If you can break free from these holds and create separation, it's going to feel like an achievement, and then your comeback with your high spots is going to feel like an earned yeah. bit of strategy or resolve or whatever. That feels to me like what it would be like if Randy Orton worked on A. Martin, <laughs> i.e. coldly logical and all the rest of it. I noticed that it worked really, really well. Mm. It worked. Yeah. All those things I can throw to wrestler like Copeland and say, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, it makes sense. And I, that's, that's what I love things to make sense <laughs> and yet it was just so well done that i actually bought the mm. story i thought it was really well done like the work with the equilibrium and everything was very very well done as well um like the grindhouse as well it's one of those things where it just feels like it's irritating and painful to yeah. take as well there's a lot of it as well throughout the match you know this is a good version of the kind of match that feels boring written down if that makes any sense uh, following it, by the way, Top Flight and Action Andretti were backstage with Lexi now when they were interrupted by private party. By a word of this conversation, by the way. Mm. It just felt so written down and acted. They uh, they gave Lexi a, a do-rag, and uh, they said, oh, well, he cheated, you did. Mark Quinn was like... There's a lot of exposition in this dialogue. Yeah, I've, I've tried to slim it down. Uh, Mark Quinn was like, oh, I just lost my balance, that's why I grabbed the rope. Uh, and they said, well, well, I bet it wouldn't happen if it happened again. And so we're getting a rematch. Yeah. Two great teams. I'll find some watch that again. Yeah, if it's better. Yeah. Uh, oh, before that, Danielson and Claudio are backstage with Lexi as well. Um, how are they feeling about Eddie Kingston um, beating them both in Continental Classic? Danielson said it was the worst moment of his career and the best of Kingston's. Um, what way to put that over, by the way? Mm. Um, and he had a good run, but he doesn't have what he had to do. To great. He's not good enough to be great consistently. Cassiano's like, I'm sick of hearing about Eddie Kingston. And Ortiz is just his bloody mate there tonight. He's going to be a casualty. I'm rubbing my hands with glee. What are they going to do for the main event? I like this very much, particularly Danielson's explanation, because that's what he would think. And it actually builds intrigue for the rematch and puts Kingston over more if you can do what Danielson said he couldn't and beat him again, Yeah, not just have this one-off moment. Don't skip the Kings Kingston thing. I think I've got a problem with Eddie Kingston. Which is well. Let's talk about it now. Actually, I was going to do that. Uh, Some of them, but yeah, they so they do another one after the Thunder Rosa match we're about to get into. Um, and Ortiz says, "Look, you know, we've had our history in the past, but all, every family fights. We're on good terms again. We're going to kick their ass." And Kingston yet again is just annoyed at having to do a promo uh, before he can go out and stretch and do his match. Basically, this has turned into something I liked and thought was good very rapidly into something I actively hate. Here's what I mean by that. So when Kingston initially was doing the whole, yeah, 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 I need to do the promo, I get it. Says a good promo, right, that's my outline. I get it, and I and I thought it was very clever. It's a very clever means of having Eddie Kingston feel like the real guy in the very glamorous, glitzy TV production mm. who understands it's a load of bollocks, kind of, that it's an obligation he has to do. All he cares about is fighting and being real and fighting. That has now been taken so far... I agree. ...that you don't get the Eddie Kingston promos. And then Ortiz said after, what he means is he does his best fighting, the best talking in the ring. And I'm thinking, 
Well, he does his best talking when he's talking, mm. and he happens to be a great wrestler as well. They've taken it so far that the idea now is that maybe you're, after MGF at his best, your second best promo guy in the company, a lot of people think the very best, now is a character that doesn't like cutting promos. Mm. That's taking it way too far. He can cut promos and wrestle. This yeah. is getting ridiculous now. Yeah, he can, he can get frustrated at the inconvenience of it all. When he's in fight mode. Yeah. But he's still selling I'm literally fight. in Gorilla, guys. Why are you asking me this right now? But it's kind of, A, it kind of comes with the territory unless you're a hook, basically. Yes. And B, yeah, like you say, he used to be like, Oh, God, you really want this from me now? Okay. I'll do it. Absolute fire. Yeah. Scorched earth. Now he just comes up. He just moans a bit, really. He moans a bit. And this persona, this character trait is removing one of the things he's better than most people at ever. Not mm. just in the world right now, ever. It's gone too far. And it didn't, needs... he used to, didn't he used to get annoyed because people would cut off his promos as well? Like, remember the producer yes. was like, you need to wrap this up, and he's like, yeah. I'm doing, giving him this bloody signal now. Now he's high up, for God's sake, how long do you want me to talk for? It's, like, it's, it's Eddie Kingston, he yes. should be cutting promos. It's ridiculous. Yes. It's, yeah, they've taken it too far, just have him cut promos on Wrestle, yes. like every other wrestler does. You know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, it was also, in amongst all this, time for Thunder Rosa's first single match in nearly 18 months, which is incredible. Um, she was taking on Queen Aminata, um, yeah, August 2022, that was it. That was Thunder Rosa's last singles match. Um, and uh, great to see Thunder Rosa back in a wrestling ring, of course. Uh, she hit her head scissors early on into a roll-up for a near fall. Uh, Aminata came back with a backbreaker, though, and they emphasized targeting Thunder Rosa's yeah. back and obviously the injury and what have you. Um, Rosa has to get out of it by hitting her head scissors to send Aminata to the floor and a baseball slide to take us to break. When we come back... Um, Thunder Rosa's in trouble, but she manages to get out of the way of a kick. It's a huge clothesline. A meteora in the corner and the drop kick in the ropes. Uh, Northern Light Suplex gets a near fall. Aminata comes back with a big head book. Hit, hits the uh, air raid crash for a near fall and a big boot. But Rosa comes back with a shotgun drop kick and the Tijuana bomb gets Thunder Rosa the one, two, three. I was the good, solid story, logical with the back, etc. I'll be honest, the first half of it didn't do a great deal for me. It was a little bit treacly. Mm. A little bit, you are not going through the motions, but you're following the layout. Hesitant. Hesitant, just not like you are in a struggle. Yeah. And then the strike started to get laid <laughs> in at the end, and I was like howling at the moon. Um, for, that's the good thing about Aminata, is that the muscle memory of how to make it feel like you're just doing it and not remembering what to do, there's a huge, huge difference. Mm. The fact that she's got the presence, she's got that credibility, that snugness, that I believe in you quality, the other stuff will follow. Yes. Um, I'd be hesitant to book her to do too many of these jobs because she's got that star power. She's got that convincing strike quality. I wouldn't have her losing as much as they are, but I. Mm. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, we go to break, and then when we come back, uh, it's time for the new ROH World Six-Man Tag Team Champs to come down to the ring. I'm talking, of course, of Bullet Club Gold, a.k.a. the Bing Bing Ging. Um, barely registered that they won titles to me. Honestly, they came down with these belts, and I was like, oh, yeah, you won, so you won those belts. That's how <laughs> little it felt like a title fight to me on Wednesday. Yeah, uh, Colton gets Huge the mic. Huge title change. Colton going got the mic and did his best rock impression, which I thought was surreal, but they kind of allow it with these with these guys. And then finally, Bang Bang Gang are back on Saturday nights. Jay White's like, that's good. Good catchphrase, that. Um... But something's missing, and uh, one of the guns, I forget which one, slides out of the ring, goes underneath the ring, and brings out Cardboard Juice Robinson. I think he's got a new, he's got a, like, card blade, but I can't remember what it is off the top of my head now. Yeah. Rock card. That's it. Card juice. Yeah. <laughs> but before they can, I don't know, oh, say the guns up bit to close it all out. Here come the acclaimed and daddy ass. I rewound this because I thought, oh, I missed the rap here or something. But they were, they were there to compliment their opponents, so it would make sense that they would skip that. But it did feel weird, daddy ass talking over the thing. And I'm going, well, why are you talking? This isn't rhyming. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, daddy ass says, I'm, I hope I'm not too late for uh, JY's yoga class. They're uh, <laughs> out to congratulate the uh, new ROH six-man tag champs. They're trios champs as well. Uh, Max Caster says it's one thing to get to the top of AW, it's another to stay there. Imagine if they were Michael Sidgwick. Hang on. Uh, there we go. A super group. You're joking. Not another one? That literally played in my yeah. head when they said that. Um Caster says they'd be unstoppable in the ring, in the back, and with the people. Um, people also want to see Billy Gunn with singles gold. I don't. <laughs> oh, eh. It's had his day. I genuinely thought he said gold, and I thought he's got gold. And then I went, oh, no, he said singles gold. And I was like, what? Can like, I just you know, Samoa Joe versus Billy Gunn <laughs> and how TNA pilled that would feel. But I was genuinely... I I mean, it's, luckily, there's about eight other titles. Nothing, nothing against Daddy Ass. He's a very lovely man when I met him over WrestleMania weekend. No, it might have been Double or Nothing when we did that there. Starcast, even. Um, and I love him as part of this group. But I did start doing, like, the mental gymnastics of, like, what little title can we give him as a singles title? Like, oh. I was not, like, I was, like, definitely not AW World title. Definitely not Ring of Honor World title. TNT. ROH yeah. TV. There we go. Not ROH Pure. Imagine that. Still got this. I, I don't disbelieve you when you say that Daddy Ass was nice in real life, and a lot of people just love him. Mm. I don't. <laughs> I, think he, I think he comes across as quite smug and entitled on AEW television. Yeah, I can see that. A bit obnoxious, frankly. 
But yeah, want to see, they want to see Billy Gunn with the, the singles goal. They want to see the guns with the tag team titles. Nope. <laughs> Already seen it. Um, and people want to see Jay White as the world heavyweight champion. Not anymore. <laughs> so there's a big uh, Bing Bing Sizzy Ging uh, chant going up. Um, Bowen's very hyped up at this point. They want an answer now. Answer the people. Does St. Louis want to see them all unite? Scissors up, guns up, the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. Uh, and then scissors are offered, and Jay sort of stops the, the guns, and they have a little conference. Uh, he's been round in scissor. The Bang Bang Scissor Gang is official. I hope this is a feud. And even then, I'm not that hot on it. Uh, look, here's a disconnect. I feel nothing for this. I don't get the appeal. You don't. You're not looking forward to seeing the guns fight the acclaimed. In in, in I mean, pictures. What's that going to look like? I know. I just. I don't get it. <laughs> no, I don't feel anything for this big coming together of the two. Really, I don't know. What's Are a, they merging the trios titles? I hope they? so. That it just means fewer belts. And I'm telling you, I literally. When they came out wearing the belt, I was like, oh, they don't have a belt theft angle. And I was like, oh, no, hang on. They won on Dynamite, and they, oh, they were the champions. That means they're the new champions. I don't care about the belts. don't care about a prospective feud. I feel like they've taken the daddy-ass thing way too far. And the acclaimed, quite frankly, are nowhere near as over as they were in 2022. I think they've overexposed daddy-ass in the ring. Um, I just don't get the coming together. People loved... The bing bing ging on collision. People, everyone loves the acclaimed. Maybe this coming together was bigger in reality than it ever was in my head. I just don't like any of it, frankly. I just don't know what they're doing. I don't get it. I don't like it. You're not going to help each other to get anywhere near all the titles you've mentioned. Then Tag title stuff, that's over with Ricky Starks and Big Bill. And let's be honest, quite possibly with Sting and Derby and Bucks and what have you. So you're at that conversation right now for at least for the foreseeable future of the next few months. So that, let's take that out of the picture. Daddy has some singles gold, like you say, unless it's, yeah, the ROH TV title. I don't see people saying that's what we need to do. That's where the TNT title needs to go next. And then I've seen five-sixths of this group feud with each other previously. Yes, the only difference is Jay White and potentially a return of Juice Robinson whenever he gets back, and hopefully that's soon. But I just but then it would also have to be you'd have to have the acclaimed go bad because otherwise it's literally a rerun of the angle they did six months ago. I'm sure they've done it twice as well, acclaimed versus Gun Club. Um, I just don't care about any <laughs> permutation of wherever this is going. Um, I don't know if that's a reflection on how much the acclaimed got cooled down how much they just didn't really fit what I expected the trios division to be. Jay White was a bit of a bust. I just, these are two acts that I didn't care about individually. and Put them together isn't going to enhance my interest, but they got a big pop, so what do I know? Yeah, exactly. Um, we get a video from uh, timeless Tony Storm. She does actually remember Deanna Pratt, so uh, she remembers their dojo days and being envious of her technical ways. Um, she's cursed with this rampant sexuality. Um, the honor storm says, I'm going to meet you, beat you, and then eat you. And she heads off. Good. Okay. Good. <laughs> then it's time for Daniel Garcia versus Buddy Matthews. Buddy. Oh, here we go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Buddy Matthews was accompanied down the ring by the rest of the house of 
Blake and oh my god thank you yeah Garcia was uh, helped by his mates FTO there to, to watch his back um, early on Buddy Matthews look at the size of him especially no offence compared to Daniel Garcia he knocks him down with several shoulder blocks he goes out to the floor confers with FTR comes back in and he knocks Buddy Matthews down with some shoulder blocks of his own uh, and then there's a tease of well all six men getting involved um, and Garcia doing the dance to take us to a break we come back they're fighting on the apron uh, Buddy Matthews nails Garcia with a big knee but Garcia mm. hits him up with a pile driver on the apron mm. <laughs> Um they just both beat the 10 count in with their teams cheering them on. Garcia fires up um, and goes after Matthews's knee as a result of everything, of course. Um, figure four on the ring posts. Um, gets him back in the ring, hits a chop block, puts him in the dragon tamer, but Matthews does the... I would. I always think of uh, uh, Daniel Bryan and Brock Lesnar. And he's like, I've got, you, I've got him in your submission. No, AJ Styles and Brock Lesnar, sorry. Yeah, bam, well, I'm going to get out of this. I'll just smash your head against the... Uh, smash. 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 Several uh, jaw-shattering knees from Buddy Matthews. He hits a jackhammer for a near fall. Gets out of the way of the curb stomp, does Daniel Garcia, though. Mocks Matthews with his dance, who hits him with a knee. Garcia reversed a powerbomb into a jackknife for cover to get the one, two, three. Big brawl after the bell. Referee security wrestlers. Locker room entries to try and break all this up. And following it, uh, FTR and Daniel Garcia were backstage. And uh, Dax Harwood, of all people, challenges the House of Black to a uh, to finish it all next week. A six-man elimination tag inside a steel cage. Right, I've got a pitch for the preview. So Ooh. hopefully... I'll remember that. Um, I love this match. I thought it was fantastic. Genuinely fantastic. Um, Daniel Garcia is so good at pacing a match, working the struggle of a match, selling. He uh, what, what I really liked about this as well was the pacing and where it featured in the show because it followed three very obvious winner versus obvious loser mm-hmm. matches. And... Roderick Strong versus Matt Seidel, preemptive oh for that, was another... So this, Obvious loser. He called it himself yeah, last I week. Yeah, I know, I know. So this felt like, oh, this could go either way, and it, could, and it doesn't really matter because there's going to be another yes, climactic yeah, yeah, yeah. match at the finish. So I know who's going to win, which helped. Daniel Garcia is so goddamn good at making these matches feel like he needs to win. Like, he needs to win. And I think he should be an enormous beneficiary of the ranking system. He just makes it feel like I have to win this one. I have to stay in this fight. Otherwise, I'm just going to tumble further into this confidence crisis, this personality crisis. I feel like my character or my, my, my myself, I'm back. I need to cling on to this feeling. And it's just so good at communicating all of this through the match. And it really helped that those knees were so horrific Ooh. that it, Helped him quite easily sell and make it feel like he had this mountain to climb. I think Daniel Garcia's got all the talent in the world. He's got this knack of pacing a match. There's so many good wrestlers now that we've talked about this at length. Are you just good or can you make the next step? Can you make me care with your good wrestling? Yes, as it turns out, you can. He's maybe the heir apparent of Brian Danielson and how he can pace a match wow. and give everything he does meaning with when to sell, when to fire up, the when to do things. The how to portray the struggle. Uh, I just thought this was fantastic. Yeah, no offense to the match that came after this, but I did think just before I thought, I'm a bit late. It's late on Sunday night. I know what's going to happen. No offense to to 
Matt side helping. He did say to Jericho, I'm a loser. Fight me. Yeah. And I thought well, Roderick Strong's just going to get us some more victories so he can justify and just keep racking it up on the road to Orange Cassidy, of course, at Revolution. I thought I could probably just skip this. And, and then just, the match happens. Yeah, I was going to skip this. I was going to skip this. I watched the finish and just say, oh, yeah, it's a fun match. What are you making this bitch? Uh, Roderick Strong, you'll never guess what happened. He won. And I thought, I'll give it, I'll give it 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. He's so awesome, and I forget how awesome he is every single Stop time. Stop bloody selling yourself short, offering yourself up on a platter, Jericho. Head scissors and a kick that says send Strong to the floor early on from Matt Seidel. A plancher to take us to commercial. Uh, when we come back, Strong catches Seidel with a backbreaker, but he comes back with a head scissors and a hurricane runner. Jumping kicks, takes Strong down. He hits a meteor off the top for a near fall. Um, Seidel catches him with a roll-up as well. Uh, hit an air raid crash for another two count, but uh, out of nowhere, Strong catches Seidel with a jumping knee. End of heartache, gets him the one, two, three. Uh, all right. I don't want to repeat myself. We've spoken at length. The theme of the podcast is, right, well, what's the answer to a bit of a malaise that a lot of people have felt? Hamflick thinks it's just big, broad characters and storytelling and promotion and back to basics or whatever. I don't know what it is. But we've, I've certainly, I know Hamflick has and maybe you have, I've come to a realization of, right, I've seen a lot of great wrestling. It's been the defining trend of this New boom, if you like, over the past five years. What next sort of thing? And I find a lot of wrestling homogenized mm -hmm. stylistically. And where do we go from here? What's the new revolution? I watched Matt Seidel, Matt Seidel in this match use his incredible flexibility and agility to escape some really torturous holds and strong and Seidel work in like collaboration, like a gear just f like four or five steps ahead almost, as I could f I could watch this <laughs> for two hours. Yeah. It's so good. They are wrestling in such perfect sync. Never too clean, never not like a struggle, but just strategic, great technical wrestling that requires incredible stamina and athleticism and IQ to do perfectly well. I was like, I could watch them go an hour. This was so well wrestled. This was so unbelievably well wrestled. Roderick Strong was great, but Seidel, I was like, you know, it gets a bit boring. The six-week Tony Khan loser loop, where <laughs> he likes you for six weeks, but he doesn't want to make you a star, really. So you can lose all the matches for six weeks. Yes. But give it Seidel for the next five years. He's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Matt Seidel is awesome, and I want to watch him lose every week. I'm giving the belt. <laughs> I was so impressed with his wrestling here. And admit, it's really, 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 really hard for me to get impressed by someone's wrestling. I need someone's promos. I need someone's pacing. I need someone's something, that that it factor. Because we see so much great wrestling and have. Uh, Seidel was awesome in this match, man. Uh, main event time. It was uh, Blackpool Combat Club represented by Brian Danielson and Claudio Castagnoli taking on Eddie Kingston Ortiz. Slightly overshadowed by the fact that, uh, as we've mentioned... They announced that the rankings are coming back and Cope Open next week. Cope Opeland is... Cope Opel. <laughs> a bloody dream match. Well, it's not the, that's the thing. It's certainly nothing I ever dreamed of. No disrespect to the participants. Suzuki in particular, I think, is fantastic. I just didn't ever think it would happen. No. I just looked at this match graphic, Global, and I went, huh? <laughs> yeah, this, isn't, this, is, this is the exception to Sidger's... These two are, fight, are teaming with this guy. It's the opposite of that. It's Minoru Suzuki's wrestling. Him? <laughs> yeah. But I was like, 
the hell does that look like? And I'm sure we'll talk about what yeah. else happens. Um, Brian Danielson's such an arsehole. Yeah, that <laughs> I needed this version of Danielson in this match because I've got a bit of a maybe a controversial take, but we'll get there. Yeah, they, um, you know, they, Kingston gets this rapturous response, and Danielson's like, "I can get a cheer as well. I'll stand on the turnbuckle." Kingston's like, well, "I'm gonna stand on the turnbuckle now." Danielson's like, "Okay, let's have a match." Actually, I'm gonna stand on the turnbuckle again. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Um, yes, they get into it, uh, and Ortiz, when he comes in, gets isolated to take us to a break. Uh, when we come back, um, Ortiz tries to fight his way over to Kingston. He leaps at Claudio, who just catches him and goes, giant swing straight away. Like, I sort of a video game. Like, I've just auto-pressed these three yeah. buttons, so automatically you're in a giant swing. I was like, how's that even How'd come you about? do it? How'd you do it? Um, Danielson, um, yeah, lays in the kicks. Um, whilst Chivani talks about the the rankings coming back, uh, Ortiz finally makes it over to Kingston, who comes in, drops the straps, gets into it with Claudio, puts him in the corner, chops a chest. Um, Castagnoli hits a choke slam to come back, brings in Danielson, who hits a high, a diving headbutt for a near fall. Um, Ortiz gets taken off the apron by Claudio and launched into a security guard. Um, and then Ortiz has to come back in because uh, Kingston's getting double teamed. They hit a double team. Cassioni breaks it up by just deadlifting someone. I think, I'm not sure if it was mistimed or not, but it looked awesome. I think that was the point where he picked up, I think it was Ortiz. No, it might have been Kingston. Picked up Kingston and Ortiz kicked him in the head, but he was like, I'm in the middle of something right now. And he just hoid him off and then went, oh, bloody hell, and he got knocked out of the ring. Um, so Ortiz and Kingston run wild. They hit big dives. Uh, but I loved how, cr- in the nicest possible way, I liked how awesome Ortiz has looked because he needed some shine because he's barely been used. Yeah. And I loved how crap Kingston's looked because it just looked like no technique. No. It doesn't look good. He doesn't care that it doesn't look good. He just wants it to be effective. Like the good version of bowling shoe ugly. Yeah. It, it's like the thing where your mate's like, we're going to go and do this and they're really good at it. And you're like, well, we're mates, so we have to do yeah, it together. Yeah. We're going to do a dive. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's just hope everyone's looking at yours. Um, Danielson pulls Ortiz into the label lock, though. Castagnoli holds Kingston back. He has to watch, but Ortiz makes it to the ropes. Uh, so Castagnoli just pulls Kingston cock first into the rope. Um, that allows Danielson to just kick Ortiz's head in. Busai Kuni pins him whilst Kingston is just laying there, injured and being held back. Um, post-match, Danielson gets in Kingston's face as he's consoling Ortiz and spits at him before, before closing out the show. I absolutely love that sequence we just talked about where Kingston's dive looked all the better for not looking great. I loved Danielson's disdain, his absolutely his absolute refusal to like believe that Kingston's win over him counted. Yeah. And that he was just going to be a disdainful prick and get the rematch through this tag. I liked the way in which this set up the next presumed Kingston Danielson match more than I enjoyed this as a match in itself. Um Brian Danielson is a million-star singles wrestler in ways that everyone knows, people write think pieces on. He's just universally admired as this genius. And I think it'll only become apparent just how good he is years after he retires as a singles wrestler. This is such a weird criticism because it's a good star rating. People don't get this. Well, some people don't get this. It's a great star rating. Brian Danielson, for me, is kind of a 3.75-star tag guy. I never watch him in a tag, um, and he's done a couple on collision where I feel like you're getting the full 
brilliant Brian Danielson experience. He's done it with like in, with Claudio against a Carter and Cassidy. Uh, he's had a couple on collision with against Starks and Big Bill when he was feuding with Starks. I've always thought these Danielson tags never hit the ceiling that he can just shatter in a single setting. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just something that he hasn't really done that often. Why like instantly he was like he was a genius within two years or whatever. He's just never had to do it as much. I know he's done it quite a bit. I just someone like Kenny Omega as a tag guy is just, it's it's almost disgusting how good he is as a singles mm. guy because he's so good in tags. You're right. I mean, Danielson does. He, he plays all the hits. It's not yeah. like he's not doing this stuff. But I agree. I wasn't. I wasn't like, oh, here we go. Yeah, I never get that feeling with him in attack, or at least I haven't in an AEW ring. I don't know what it is, but they've always been. And what a terrible score! <laughs> three and three quarters out of Fucking five. Joe kill for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I never get that. Oh, just bleed. I never get that. This is a masterpiece, and I'm so grateful for Danielson feeling. When I'm watching him do tags in an AEW ring, don't mm. know what it is. Just never had that feeling once of him. I just love that as well. Of like, uh, it's a bit of a disappointing ending, and the baby faces have lost their big match. Oh, he's getting into his face. Oh, he's ghost on him. Yeah. Good night, everybody. <laughs> the finish was fantastic. Yes. The finish was the crotching and the yeah. yeah. The finish was great. Just in the body of the match, I just thought. If I went to a house show and watched this match, I'd be like, "Oh, this is good. This is really fun." Yeah. Not like that Danielson standard. No, no, I think that's a fair assessment. But uh, yeah, like I said, this this show, as as this podcast, arguably overshadowed by the rankings news that no doubt we'll talk more about on Wednesday as we preview this week's AEW Dynamite. But let us know your thoughts on Collision at What Culture WWE. Watch they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. The SmackDown review and Raw preview are both available right now. And as I said, me Sidg and Hamlet will be back on Wednesday to preview, and then on Thursday, review AEW Dynamite. But for now, this has been the Collision Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.